Welcome back to another episode of the Fantasy Baseball Buds podcast. Today is Tuesday. Yeah, it's Tuesday. Actually, what is today? Tuesday? Yeah, Tuesday. it's weird. I don't work tomorrow, so uh, you know, got my days oh, all mixed don't. up here. Interesting. And we're on a double this week. Uh, you know, if you tuned into our breakouts episode for pitchers, we are now doing our sleepers and our busts. So busy week for us as we try to cram as much in before the start of the regular season here in just a couple weeks. And we don't have any news and notes for you today. Uh, Richie, we are going to kind of jump right into it. But first, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. Um, got up to 70 out by me, which is Ooh. crazy for February. So yeah. I went out, took a walk in uh, some shorts and a t-shirt. Felt nice. Listen I love to some that. podcasts. So yeah, it was good. Good time. Has it, uh, has it cooled down is the real question. Um, it's supposed to cool down to like 30 tonight Yep. and we're supposed to get snowstorms and, uh, thunderstorms. So yeah. Yeah. But hey, it's supposed to get back up to 65 on Saturday and Sunday. So hell, that's all that matters. It's the weekend. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, let the, let the crappy weather come during the work week. I'm cool with that. Alrighty. So we're going to define once again, sleepers and busts. We did this last week, uh, in regards to our breakouts. So for us, our definition of a sleeper are players who will outperform their ADP and provide value. Again, that is players who will outperform their ADP and provide value. <clears throat> Excuse me. Busts are players that will provide value. Excuse me. Busts are players that will not provide value for their current ADP or have significant injury concerns. Again, busts are players that will not provide value for their current ADP or have significant injury concerns. Richie, is there anything you want to add? No, I think for our bus, you'll see very shortly that that significant injury concern plays a big role into our factoring on who a bus is. And it might be controversial for some people because I know there's at least one player who everybody loves and you and I are completely out on, at least yep. at where he's getting drafted. Yeah, and I think for me, a lot of the times, and I said this last week, bust has a very negative connotation attached to it. I don't necessarily like the label, and I, I hope next year we can change our label because it's not meant to disrespect these players. We are simply putting our opinion out there based off where their average draft position is, whether we want to take them or not, based off the level of risk we're willing to you know, really take on. And I think the majority of our busts are just players that we look at it and we say, hey, the risk does not outweigh the value at where we're taking them or even the names around that player. I think that's oftentimes for these guys, how we really feel is, hey, there's a pitcher, maybe three or four uh, spots, you know, up or down in the rankings. I would rather reach or I'd rather, you know, sit back and wait. And so for that nature, these guys end up being busts. Yep. Yep. All right. Well, let's get right into it. Uh, first name on the list is the newly Dodger Tyler Glass now coming in at number 11. And real quick, just so you can follow along, if you'd like to, we are using Fantasy Pro's ADP calculator. Um, pretty simple, cut and dry. You can go ahead and source based off what leagues you want to really uh, hone into. We are using all of their league options to create this overall draft position list. So each number that we reference will be from that Fantasy Pro's list. Uh, again, first name on the list is Tyler Glasnow coming in at number 11. Richie, why do you think Glasnow is not the right choice at number 11? Well, first of all, at number 11, he's most likely going to be your ace that you're drafting. And as somebody who's your ace, you want them to be your anchor. You want to be able to rely on them. Now, Glasnow has amazing stuff. We talked on our breakouts. He has one of the best fastballs. I think he was number five or six. So there's no denying who he is when he's healthy. But it's a question of when he's healthy. I don't think he can sustain a full season. There's been talk all over the industry that the most he's ever pitched is 124 and a third innings. And that was back in 2014 when he was back in the minors. Um, so I don't, I don't project him to get more than 120, 130 innings. And that's not somebody who you want to be your ace. It reminds me a lot of Jacob deGrom last year. DeGrom was getting drafted top five and I was completely out on DeGrom because he carries that significant injury risk that we classify for our bus. I was out on DeGrom and look what happened. I'm not saying I'm for forecasting an injury for Glasnow. I just will not be paying that price for him. Yeah, I, I fully agree. You know, we talked about it a little bit ago. 
I'm in that range is interesting. For me, after Corbin Burns, it's the Zach Wheeler, Gosman, Castillo, Gallen, Lopez. Those guys I'm also out on, you know, just because I would rather have George Kirby at 10. When we're talking about Glasnow at 11, you know, if, if say Kirby is, is picked right before you, well, Yamamoto is right after. I have concerns about Yamamoto as well, just because he's, it's his first appearance in the major leagues, but I would way rather have Kirby. I would way rather have Yamamoto. And that's why Glasnow enters this list at number 11. The next name, I, it was a name I added. I, I don't know that we feel the same way, but Aaron Nola comes in at number 13. Do you share this sentiment on bust for Aaron Nola or would you draft him? It's, it's tough for me. I, I get both sides of the coin. This is supposed to be the year where he's supposed to have a three or less ERA coming off of a over four ERA from last year. But then again, he just signed a massive extension with the Phillies. There's historical data to back up once you get a big contract that you typically don't perform as well on that first year because you feel you have to prove, prove or provide the value for what you signed for. I don't know if that's going to happen with Nola. I think it's fair value. I, I don't think I will be drafting Aaron Nola, but I could see where you're coming at, where he'd be a bust. I think he probably is a top 20 or 30 starting pitcher, but getting him at what, what is he top 13 right now? I think, I think that's fair to call him a bust. I don't know if he'll necessarily provide that value. Yeah. And again, you know, just a couple names for reference, Yamamoto at 12, Nola at 13, I would rather reach, grab Yamamoto, or I would w rather wait and take Logan Webb. You know, Logan Webb is, at least from the last few years and track record, very safe. You know, he's not going to absolutely dominate for you, but at least you know you have the innings and you can reasonably project what's going to happen within your ERA and your whip. Noel is that fluctuation. It's almost a full point ERA. That concerns me. I am not looking to either get a guy that has a 4-2 ERA or get a guy that has a 3-2 ERA just because he piles up the strikeouts. You know, I will cater my approach later in the draft accordingly to catch up with those strikeouts. And he just happens to fall a little bit too early on this list for me to be comfortable there. All right, next name on our list, I think is an interesting one. We've been very excited about this individual for a number of years. Last year, we get to see you know him come back from injury and, and provides a lot of hype and really dominant outings. And Ultimately, that's Tariq Skubal. He's coming in at number 16. And as much as I like Skubal, I cannot pay this price. Um, you know, the track record, the, the prospect pedigree, the years that we followed him are there, but coming off very few innings, you know, I am just inclined to steer in a different direction at number 16. What are your thoughts? I'm torn because I like Scooball a lot. He did get to 80 and a third innings last year, so he is going to have that innings limit. I don't see him getting past 120, maybe 130. So again, it goes back to the Tyler Glass now argument of, do you want your ace to provide you only 130, 140 innings? I do think Tariq Scooball is going to break out, but if you're drafting him as your ace, I'm out. If there's some scenario where... You're getting him as your number two. Maybe it's a salary cap draft and you can spread out your money. I, I'd be in on him. In dynasty leagues, I'm all in on him. But redraft, I, I agree with you. I don't think you can take Scooball here. Yeah. And, you know, Webb's one place ahead of him. Framber Valdez is one place after him. I am much happier with the floor of those two. And for me, I'm happier with those two as my number two, just because I think the floor for Scooball could be. 60 innings and there's another injury. Now, like, you know, we can attach injury concerns to almost every single player, but we are looking at the track history. Um, you know, Blake Snell also coming in at 19, depending on where he, you know, goes and signs, could be a massive steal. If he signs with the Giants, okay, boom, you're you're in the money there. But if he signs with the Yankees, you know, I think I'd rather have Ball for the upside than concern myself, as we've talked about with Blake's, uh, Blake Snell in New York. Next name we have is Logan Gilbert coming in at number 20. This one really surprised me, Richie. I don't necessarily know why people have such a high opinion of Gilbert at number 20. He hasn't shown dominance. He's shown consistency at times. But what do you think of Logan Gilbert at number 20? 
Yeah, with Logan Gilbert, I feel he's more of a floor pick rather than a ceiling pick, especially at number 20. You're getting him as potentially your number two, possibly your number three, depending on what type of approach you take in a redraft league. I'd be better off taking Tanner Bybee or even going with his teammates in a Bryce Miller or Brian Wu compared to where they're going in the drafts. I think they have a higher ceiling than Logan Gilbert. They don't obviously present the same floor as Logan Gilbert, but I think there's a scenario where Wu and Bryce Miller surpass Logan Gilbert. Yeah, I think, I think you're absolutely correct. And I think at 20, that safe floor is, you know, is interesting because just looking at the ADP list, fantasy pros has Gilbert at 20, it has Kodai Singa at 21. That will adjust itself. You know, the news of the injury and, and how long he could be out, I don't think has been able to uh, be enough drafts in the pool to really push him down yet. But Grayson Rodriguez coming in at 22, you, you know, you're shooting for the upside there. And then um, the next safe play is the next guy on our list, which is 23, and that's Zach Eflin. Um, you know, I, I think we're going to just continue to echo ourselves here. Eflin at 23, I am taking a lot of different names at that position just because I'm shooting for the upside. You know, you, your number one love, Bobby Miller at 25, that's a no-brainer for me. Uh, Jesus Lazardo at 24, it's a more interesting conversation, but I'm probably taking Lazardo. I mean, that's a toss-up. But the names after Afflin are the ones that really made me put him on this list. What do you think? Yeah, I, I'm not touching Zach Eflin, and it's not because I don't like Zach Eflin. It's just because I like the players that you just mentioned way more. We talked about Grayson yep. Rodriguez, Jesus Lazardo, Bobby Miller. I love those guys as p- huge breakouts this year. So I think all of those guys could be top 10, top 15. So I think they have way higher upside than what Zach Eflin presents. Now we have one more name on the list, but I just want to run something past you really quick here. Let's just say somehow you take glass now one on the turn. You go ahead. You grab Aaron Nola. Somehow, again, don't know really how. Scoo Ball gets back to you. And then you're able to grab Logan Gilbert. Your first four pitchers, Glasnow, Nola, Scoo Ball, Gilbert. It's not a bad looking rotation, but it would never a lot of happen. question mark. I mean, it would be it's a s- terrible draft strategy. But Yes, horrible. <laughs> But I think the point I'm making here is even if you went really aggressive and somehow this happened, you would have to catch up with bats later on and your rotation still isn't exciting. There's a lot of concern, a lot of question mark. And I think that what that's what really plays into this bus concept. Last name we have for you is Joe Ryan coming in at number 26. Uh, you know, 26 is pretty shocking in, with the numbers that we have in front of us. I just, I can't get on board with that. What is your opinion of Joe Ryan? Yeah, I think with the new environment, switching to hitting friendly, him being a fly ball pitcher, we saw him not acclimate to that properly. He gave up way too many home runs, has a fastball that sits right around 92, 93 miles an hour. So nothing great, Um, but it has that um, rising approach to it, kind of like Paul Seawald's, but there's been a lot of talk around the industry that hitters are starting to figure out how to hit that. And that's his main pitch that he relies on. He's got two secondaries, but they're not the greatest pitches. They don't grade well on stuff. Plus both below a hundred. So I, I, Joe Ryan, maybe as my number four, I'd be okay with it, but him going as your number two fringe three starting pitcher. I can't get, get I cannot get on board with that. Yeah, and we took a little deep dive into into Ryan, and you know he's had stretches of success. He had a stretch last year where it looked like you know we were really starting to see something special, but it didn't happen. It didn't continue. Consistency was not there. And when you look at the pitch data, there is concern. And I think the biggest thing that we ultimately saw was his slider and his splitter are are not plus pitches from a data perspective. And that for me is what's really going to have him on this list solidified. Uh, just to read off for you, his slider, excuse me, his split-fingered fastball uh, runs above average is minus 3.8. That's of concern. His slider runs above average is minus 9, while his fastball sits at a plus 13.5. So in my opinion, he just needs a new pitch. And the sweeper was supposed to be that pitch. It 
clearly is not. Um, and at 26, again, it just goes back to the names. I will shoot on upside over taking a risk on Joe Ryan. Yeah, I'm, I'm on board with you on that. All right. So I had said that's our last name. We actually have three more. Uh, but these <laughs> these next three are outside the top 30. You and I kind of spoke when we jumped on today that when we're talking about busts or guys that we expect to underperform, we really have to look at exactly where they're being drafted. And 30 to 40 is still that range where you are investing a decent piece of draft capital to essentially have a starter. And there is still risk attached. After 40, it does get a little bit easier to take a swing and miss. But these names are within 31 to 44. And the first one is an industry darling right now. You know, rave reviews coming out of spring training. He's hitting 101 with his fastball. He's going to absolutely you know, change the, the landscape for fantasy baseball this year. And at 31, you know, those are exciting things to hear. But we have our concerns. So at number 31, we have Cole Reagans. Richie, I want you to take it away with Reagans. Yeah, it's funny. Everybody loves Cole Reagans. And I think you and I, I think you agree with me. I'm out on Cole Reagans. I'm not touching him with a 10-foot pole. He's had two Tommy John surgeries, was a reliever, moved to a starting pitcher. He, Yeah, he does throw 101, but that's also a reason why I'm skeptical of him. That makes me think he's going to blow out his arm a third time. And he walks a lot of guys. Look at his numbers. He throws walk percentage was a 9.4% with Kansas City. Before that, it was a 13.2% in Texas. So, yeah, I'm encouraged that he dropped it for percentage points. But still, 9% is really bad. You look at George Kirby, he sits around like 2%. Average is right around 5 or 6 Edward Cabrera sits around like 11 So, I mean, anything around 10% walk ratio is not good. So, yeah, he's got huge strikeout upside. He's got fantastic stuff. But there's a lot of red flags that I feel everybody is ignoring. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he stays healthy. Maybe he works on the walks. Maybe he can sustain throwing 101. But there's a lot of things going against him. And I just, I'd prefer to grab other players. Yuri Perez is going one spot ahead of him. I'd much rather have Yuri Perez. I'd much rather reach and grab a Grayson Rodriguez or a Bobby Miller who are going just a few spots ahead of him. So I will be targeting those guys and let everybody else reach for Cole Reagans. Yeah, I think we're in agreement here. Really, just the concern of the injury history. And it's funny, we sat down, we you know dove into the numbers. Reagans does have, over the last two years, over 120, over 130 innings. And we had to kind of you know siphon between minor league and major league numbers to get those innings for him. Um, but that kind of goes against what we're saying. But I still have a strong feeling that there is concern here. And honestly, I hope I'm wrong. I really liked watching him last year. I really liked, you know, the uptick in velocity and the strikeout ability. And I liked watching a pitcher with the Kansas City Royals play well because it is a good ballpark to play in. So while I'm not taking Reagans, I am really hoping for him to have a great season and kind of solidify himself as one of the better pitchers in Major League Baseball. I just right now can't invest at that draft cost because of, like you said, the names around him some of the upside they have, or some of the safety and the floor that they also provide. And that leads us right into the next name. It's going to be Walker Bueller. I feel the exact same way. Two Tommy Johns as well. I think right now the industry is very hesitant and concerned with the aspect that we have a number of pitchers coming back from their second Tommy John surgery. And we don't have enough data in, in the pool to really evaluate whether this is a massive concern or not as you know, science continues and as velocity upticks, we probably will see more guys with two Tommy John surgeries. We just don't have the track record right now. So Walker Bueller at number 37 on fantasy pros. I am out. Um, unfortunately, I would rather invest elsewhere. What do you think, Richie? Yeah, I completely agree with you on this. The only thing I'll say is it looks like his average draft position is dropping. He's not going to be coming back till the middle of the season. So I'm just looking at the fantasy pros, looking at ESPN. He's listed at 186 um, overall, and all the other sites have him much higher. So I don't think they've quite caught up to where he should be going. So if he drops to like maybe the 50 or 60, I'll take a shot on Walker Bueller. Maybe see if he can be the second to sustain two Tommy Johns and 
make it work. Cole Reagan's being the first, but we have our doubts on him as well. So I agree with you. I'm out on Walker Bueller, but if he goes late enough in my drafts, I'll take a flyer on him. Yeah, it is interesting. You look at CBS at 116 average draft position, Yahoo 108. Um, it's almost as if these these sites have him pushed on the rankings. That would be my my assumption, you know, that they yeah. have him auto placed higher because yeah, ESPN at 186 is it's much, much higher than CBS. I mean, you're talking 60 plus position points. 186 seems like the where he should be going. Maybe like around yeah. 200, I would argue. Um, that I'd feel comfortable taking him at 200 as like my fifth or sixth pitcher, take a shot on him, stash him on the IL. Why not? Well, and this is no disrespect to Yahoo, but 108, I don't have the highest opinion of Yahoo's fantasy baseball A reporting and B, uh, you know, data or uh, app in general. But then ESPN at 186, I also just usually assume that ESPN is going to be more of the amateur platform. You know, again, not to disrespect anybody, our number one league, our home league, our longest standing league that we've been in together is, you know, based on ESPN because we enjoy the uh, the portal so much. So I would just, though, have to assume that a lot of redraft leagues are probably on ESPN. And at 186, uh, that's leading me to believe that these drafts are probably happening closer to the date we're recording. And that's why you have such a, a broad variance between these sites. But yeah, man, it's it's unfortunate, you know, like he was much like Jack Flaherty just a few years ago for a stretch, really great. And Bueller did it longer for a number of years. And that second Tommy John really has us questioning things. And, um, you know, that leads us to our actual last name on the bust list, Michael King. Um, you know, if you're interested in learning more about Michael King, I did a little piece on him for Scout the Stat Line. You know, I referenced that when you and I were sitting down and talking today, because you were surprised by the amount of innings he had had in the minor leagues. And, you know, we just briefly talked on that elbow fracture as well as the elbow injury he uh, occurred, I want to say in 2019 or 2020, before the fracture, really kind of changing his path. And this season, Michael King, after the trade to San Diego, is, is a very hot name because he was stretched out as a starter once again last year in New York. And people are excited that he might provide good value or above average slot value at 44. Richie, why is he on our bus list? Yeah, this goes back to that significant injury concern. Since that elbow fracture, he hasn't pitched that 160 innings that you mentioned back in 2018. He was a reliever, and he got injured when he was stretched out to be a starter. Um, I think he only sustained that one inning, um, or that one year, not one inning. And that, that concerns me. Now, his cost is much lower than Cole Reagan, so I'm more in on Michael King than I am Cole Reagan's. But I am still concerned. I don't think he's going to sustain that arm, that workload. I, I don't think we're getting more than 150 innings out of him this year. Just because he only pitched, what was it, 106 innings? I want to say I don't have it up anymore now. That sounds right. Yeah. Um, right around there. So, like, a realistic is to go up maybe 20, 30 max. So, he could be having a lot of four or five inning starts, so not getting that quality starts that you're looking for, especially in our home league. So, I actually was uh, shopping him around because I do feel he's a bust, but you reminded me that he threw 160. So, I think I might hold on to him, even though. I do have him as a bust. You know, and, and this just goes right back into it. We can find for almost half of the guys in the top 40 injury concerns. There's going to be injury concerns in our sleepers as well. And it's, it's the hardest thing I think about gauging fantasy because you are trying to find guys that will break out. But oftentimes you have to take that risk with past injury history. Reagan's, right? Walker Bueller. Uh, you know, are you pairing a Walker Bueller with, a Reagan's because if you can do that, maybe Reagan's does get hurt, but Walker Bueller comes back right at the same time. And you know, you, you have the perfect pairing. Those are very dangerous games to play. Now they're also games that make or break and win championships. So, you know, those are conversations we might have uh, in the future episodes right before the season, but we do just want to evaluate why these guys were busts. And I feel like for a majority of them, it was either injury or just because they didn't have the upside of certain players around them. But we are getting into breakouts. The fun part, we can let the negativity sleepers, go. Sleepers. Sleepers. Well, how, what do we say? Sleepers you said can breakouts. Be busts, or sleepers can be breakouts, but breakers, breakouts can't always be sleepers. I think that's the, the right term, right? Sleepers can be busts, 
or no sleepers sleepers can be breakouts <laughs> sleepers can be breakouts but breakouts aren't always sleepers because yes. george kirby we like to break out but he's not a sleeper because he's going at 10 but we think he could be top yeah. five yes it's a tongue twister and that's why i would like us to solidify our own terms for these so that uh you know Next year, you're not listening, assuming we're talking about breakouts when it's actually sleepers. So let us segment into our sleepers. We have done this a little differently than we did our breakouts last week. I have a number of names tiered up. Um, I'll list them off. I will list off their current ranking on Fantasy Pros, and I will allow Richie to ultimately answer the question that I have presented. So starting off is the range from 35 to 47. Justin Verlander, 35, Hunter Green, 38, Chris Sale, 42, Carlos Rodon, 47. Can you count on them is the question. And who are you picking out of this group to count on? Yeah, I'm taking uh, Justin Verlander. He's one of my favorites. Um, I'm grateful that you traded him to me in our home league in the first half when he wasn't having a great outing. Um, we look at his second half stats. Thank you for putting them in there. In the second half, he had a 2.92 ERA over 92 and a third innings, 87 strikeouts, um, a 1.03 WHIP. So those are elite numbers for somebody going as the 35th overall pitcher. I would love to have Justin Verlander as my number two pitcher. Possibly number three is what I'm realistically. I'm hoping to get one of those top tier aces and then count on a Bobby Miller or a Yuri Perez or Grayson Rodriguez as my two, and then I'm targeting targeting Justin Verlander to be my number three. I love that rotation right there. Hunter Green, I like him a lot. Can you trust him? Not necessarily in Cincinnati. He is one of our breakouts, but it's mostly going to come down to that curveball and that splitter that we talked about on our breakouts. So if I could get two of them, I would love to get Verlander and Green. Chris Sale, I love the stuff from Chris Sale. I love the team context, Atlanta Braves. He's going to get wins comes down to that injury concern. Is he going to give you enough? Is he going to stay healthy? I don't think so. Same with Carlos Rodon. He's got injury concerns for me. I would argue he's a bust as well. It looks like in spring training, his average velocity is not up to where it was in years past. So I'm a little concerned on Carlos Rodon, but if he can get his numbers back up in spring training, I do like Carlos Rodon as a sleeper at 47th overall. Yeah. And I think all four of these names, what we're talking about is, as you said with Rodon, even with Sale, you know, can they get us to what we've seen in production before? And because there's question marks there, I'm either choosing Verlander or if I have, you know, a safety net, maybe I've taken Logan Webb. And as you said, maybe Green ends up being my number three. I, you know, I've, I've taken a safer option as my number two. I'll go Hunter Green. You know, 112 innings in 2023 isn't exciting, but. I have to assume we're going to get to 140 in 2024. And if this splitter is the real deal, as he's been talking about, we could be talking about a massive jump. Now, why I would lean Verlander is for the simple fact that we're talking about 162 and a third innings last year. I am going to imagine he's going to come out and automatically give me 140 to 160. And if I'm shooting for the upside of Hunter Green, I'm going to get about 80 to 90% of that already in Justin Verlander. So, for me, Verlander is the easy choice. I do think there would be a universe in which I'm taking Hunter Green. Um, Sale and Rodon, just for me, do not provide the same kind of upside as Verlander and Green. Now, this is a wide-ranging number, though, 35 to 47. We're talking about almost an entire round. So that's why I think these names are interesting, because depending on where you fall, again, as we often say, that will obviously shake your hand a little bit. Um, okay. So next group, I know you're very excited to talk about this group because your favorite pitcher is in it. <laughs> um, interesting group is the classification because honestly, I, I think we're excited. Hunter Brown starts us off at 49. Bryce Miller comes in at 52. Nick Pavetta comes in at 53. Gavin Williams at 56. Ryan Pepiot at 57. And Imanaga in Chicago at 58. So... Rich, I already know your answer, but you know, <laughs> if you had to pick one of these guys that's interesting, you know, a number of these names were on our breakouts list. Um, who are you picking to outperform their draft value? Um, well, you already know the number one answer for me is going to be Bryce Miller. Uh, number two, if everything goes well, Nick Pavetta. 
And then if I had to pick a third one, I'm probably going Ryan Pepio. I do like this group a lot, especially in redraft. I'm probably trying to get three or four of these guys to round out the back half of my rotation. Um, and skipping a lot of those guys we talked about as our bus. But Bryce Miller, we talked on our breakouts. If you want to listen to more, I would say check out that. But he developed a splitter that should be above average, fixed his arm slot so all three of his pitches are at the same plane. So I think that's a good reason why he breaks out. Nick Pavetta talked about how he's got one of the greatest fastballs and his secondaries have great stuff. Plus, comes down to can he sustain a starter's workload and can he get his mind right? There was talks that he wasn't in the right mindset. So we know baseball is a physical game, but it's also a psychological game. And a lot of people forget that. Um, similar things happened with Seiya Suzuki before he went on a torrid, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? A torrid run at the end of the year to knock me out of our home league. So, um, yeah, Hunter Brown, I love me some Hunter Brown, but I need to see it before I believe it. I think he's got it in him, but I was disappointed with his performance last year. Yeah, and I think it's funny here. We we finally have something that we disagree on. I'm in agreement with you with Hunter Brown. I, I would rather have Bryce Miller. I would rather take Gavin Williams. I would rather take Pepio and Imanaga. So for me, Bryce Miller is an easy pass here. Now, I'm not in on Nick Pavetta. I don't have the data to back it up, but I just have enough That gut years. feeling, that's fair. It's a gut feeling, but it's also how many years have we been hearing about Nick Pavetta? How many years have I'll we give been him one more hearing year. about quit, Nick, Nick Pavetta's pitch data? It's been four or five now. He's 31 years old. I'm out. And <laughs> if you're telling me that I... No, but seriously. No, I, I know. If you're telling me I'm going to draft Nick Pavetta over Gavin Williams, you're out of your mind. I'm going to take him over Ryan Pepio. Okay, maybe more of a conversation, right? Like we don't have the upside. New new park, it's the Rays, so there's question marks. And then Imanaga, right? Imanaga is a complete question mark. But I also would rather take Imanaga with the reports that we have coming out. I can, that's I just, can, I can see that's the Gavin Williams. You know, I was just blinded when I looked at the list. So I could see Gavin Williams. I do like Gavin Williams to, to be a good sleeper. So... I'll recant Nick Pavetta over Gavin Williams because Gavin Williams does have that great fastball and didn't perform. So, well, I, I'd have a hard. I'd be. I would wait until the very last second if I had to choose between Pavetta and Gavin Williams. But Imanaga, he, I feel he's got a similar profile to Joe Ryan with he's got that fastball since ninety one, ninety two. It's got that rising action. Um, he pitches in Chicago. He's a fly ball pitcher. I mean. The the big reason why Imanaga is getting so much hype is the stuff plus numbers that came out of the World Baseball Classic, and that's a very small sample size. So, and it's a different baseball that they're pitching with. So, I do like Imanaga as a sleeper, but I don't I don't like him as much as everybody else does in the industry. I'm curious what your yeah, thoughts are on that because I'm I'm sure you've listened to the same things that I've listened to. So I'm curious yeah, well, what your thoughts are on him. I think he has a similar profile to Nick Pavetta. The only difference is we haven't been let down over and over and over and over. Is it Imanaga 31? Is he 31? He is, but we, we don't see his first you. year in the major leagues, right? Like Nick Pavetta. I hear, no, I'm, it, I'm just playing devil's advocate. I, I Listen, I, I love that. And I think that's a really good argument. Who are you taking, right? Or do you want to take more of the floor with Nick Pavetta coming off a good season with good pitch metrics? Or do you want to take the shot on Imanaga I think that's for each manager to decide based off their roster construction. And 53 is is an interesting spot as well because this is still a really important piece. And I think as much as we've bickered about Imanaga and Pavetta, the reality is if Bryce Miller is right there, it's a no-brainer. Um, we're not, you know, we don't even have to him and haul over this conversation because pulling this list up and seeing Miller paired with Pavetta and Managa was, was crazy. I, I understand the Gavin Williams, right? I, I, the hype was there. I get Pepio. Like we really like the profile, but these other two were really interested or interesting to see kind of paired in this, um, in this group, which is again, why it was named the interesting group. Yeah. So, so the average, the average overall is 185 starting with Bryce Miller going down to Imanaga at 208. So we're talking about, 30, 30, 30 spots. So like realistically you can go and get a Bryce Miller and you could get yep. a Nick Pavetta at one eighty nine, and, um, Gavin Williams. Yeah. 
but Imanaga at 208, like you could probably get a Bryce Miller and an Imanaga. Like I'd be okay with doing that. Yeah, you know, I might same. do that in my categories draft that I have come up in a couple weeks. That's probably not a bad bad strategy to go with. I kind of like that. Well, and you know, it's going to lead us right into our our next tier here. Um, but it's interesting because you've you've got some other names around the Imanaga area that we like a lot, and and I think you're all going to get similar out. Like, uh, I think you're just going to get similar production. If you hit, I think there's just one or two names in this next tier that could give you a massive boost, but at least one of them is going to be uh, innings limited. So the next tier is floor to ceiling. We have Shane Baz coming in at 61, who is not scheduled to start the year in the major leagues. Correct me if I'm wrong. No, yeah. I think May or beginning of June. And that's nothing like injury related. They just want to save him for the end of the season. Um, there was reports that if if and when they make the playoffs, they want him to be a part of that, and they don't want to do the whole ghost IL thing and you know build him up to pause him or skip a start. They they'd rather just have him be on the innings limit and just go full blown from May June. Which honestly, I prefer that. I'd rather have the last four months of Shane Baz than the first four months of Shane Baz. Yeah, no, I I fully agree. It, it does help for the fantasy playoffs. You know, not having to draft a guy that gets you all the way to the playoffs and then that ghost IL hits. So um, absolutely loving the name Shane Baz here at 61. We have Brian Wu coming in at 62. Another guy that we talked about in depth last episode with our breakouts, Aaron Savali coming in at number 65, Brian Bello coming at 67 and Kyle Harrison coming in at 71. So Richie, I have pegged both Shane Baz and Kyle Harrison as the guys that could really make a difference for your team here. We talked a little bit about Baz being limited, so you have that aspect. Harrison would have to ultimately lean on those strikeout numbers, control the walks, and you know benefit from pitching in San Francisco for everything to work. But I, I think these are the two names that stick out for me as the ceiling guys. And then uh, Bello, Savali, and Wu really come in at the floor where I'm probably more inclined to take Wu over the other two, but it would be Wu, Bello, and then Savali for me. What, how are you looking at this group? Do you share my opinion? And you know who are you targeting at this range? Yeah, it, it honestly depends on my roster construction. Did I take a lot of those high-risky guys? Um, or did I take more of the floor guys? Looking back to the Justin Verlander versus Hunter Green, if I took a Justin Verlander, I'm targeting Shane Baz because I can afford to wait on him. I can feel reliable with or I can feel that Justin Verlander is going to be reliable for me. If I went to Hunter Green, I'm probably taking a Brian Wu or a um, Brian Bello type uh, just to, to have a little bit more floor. The one you didn't mention who was in our breakouts was Brandon Fott. And honestly, that's the guy who I'm probably targeting in this range more than anything. Um, and Kyle Harrison goes way later than all these guys, like average 263 compared to the others, which is are closer to the, the two... 216 to 230, 240 range. So I think you can get Kyle Harrison a little bit later. So I'd almost argue he'd be in a tier below, but has the upside as this tier that we're talking about. So I do like Kyle Harrison. He will be a target. I would almost classify him as a later tier, but he'd be be the top target of that next tier. Wonderful. And it's interesting because now that I'm looking at this, I agree with you. Um, but I still don't think you would choose him as your selection in, in the next tier. Also, just before we move on to you know the next tier, I just want to mention, I've made this mistake year in, year out. It's all over the board. If you think that you can make it to when Shane Baz debuts at the major league level, just be very, very mindful about how you're constructing your pitchers. It, very often have I ran into where I'll grab one or two of these guys and to start the year, I'll be one in four. And now it's absolute desperation as they start to come back and they have to knock off the rust where I need to win. And you ultimately have to either trade them or just, you know, try to run the gauntlet, try to try to win as many weeks as you can moving on, moving on. Now, obviously, Roto in categories is a little bit different. You know, you can manage those storms a little bit easier, but points leagues, you know, pitching is premium and You've got to be mindful. So if you're taking Shane Baz, I would implore you to have him be your only guy that you're really sitting on and really try to stack the deck with, with more floor guys, you know, knowing that he will come back and provide 
What I'm envisioning is ace upside. Um, and if not, I think it's going to be high-end SP2 and fantasy rotation. So, you know, that's just something, again, to, to mention. Yeah, you um, don't want to load up on a bunch of injury-prone yeah. prone guys. Like, you don't want to pair him with a Walker Bueller. You don't want to yep. pair him with a Kodai Senga. Um, you know, two guys we haven't even talked about, DeGrom and Scherzer, I think, are even lower. I'd, I'd be okay with pairing Baz with one of them because you're getting a much later, so you should have a decent rotation set by then. Um, yep. But you don't want too many of them. Yeah. All right. Next here. Uh, still a chance to grab strikeouts. I like this one. I'm actually going to remove Cutter Crawford. He is in this list as well. And honestly, he does not fit at all. We like Cutter Crawford. He is not a guy that you're going to get plus K9s out of. So you're getting deleted. Sorry, buddy. Oh, um, you're right. Just I keep... want to take uh, yeah. Kyle Harrison. No. <laughs> you know who I'm taking. I know who you're taking. <laughs> Um, and I also feel bad for Cutter Crawford because this is the second outline in which we have deleted his name. So <laughs> definitely going to break out this year. We're never going to, we're not going to have any data to talk about it. We're not going to be able to say, Hey, we knew it. Uh, but Richie first name on the list is Mr. LSU. Paul Skeens coming in at 73, which I thought was very interesting. I thought he'd be lower, but, um, or higher, lower. I thought he'd be outside of the seventies, closer lower to the nineties. Yeah. Actually, I, I thought he would, you know, uh, be around there, but, Detmer's coming in at 74, Taj Bradley at 84, and Edward Cabrera coming in at 91. So you're looking for strikeouts. You need to grab one of these names. Taj Bradley's not available. Um, I'm just kidding. Who are you picking and why? <laughs> well, if Taj Bradley's not available. No, you, I'm taking Taj Bradley. <laughs> he sticks out like a sore thumb to me. Um, honestly, if I'm looking for strikeouts alone, People who aren't even on this list, Max Scherzer and uh, is Jacob deGrom in this range? Yeah, Jacob deGrom or Max Scherzer, I'm probably taking one of those guys. But if I'm avoiding that injury risk, if I have too many of them, I'm probably taking the shot on Paul Skeens, honestly. That upside, if he comes up, he could be lights out. He could be starting pitcher three right off the gate. I mean... Who knows what that upside is? I mean, he's got all all the stuff you look for in an ace. So if and when he comes up, I like me some Paul Skeens. Yeah, and I just wanted to just throw this out there. Um, Jacob deGrom can say he's coming back this summer. I'm I'm not believing it. I mean, he had Tommy John, if I'm correct, in July of last year. Mm. Um, let's look it up right now. When did he have his surgery? surgery i want to say it was june it's or usually, july it's usually about june 18th there's no shot you're coming yeah, back this season no. there's no way because so, it's usually like six, a year and a half. 16 or 18 months yeah. for tommy john for pitchers and it's usually like nine months i want to say for hitters now let me let me fact check myself the article was june 18th the surgery was reported to have been done on june 12th um and that was last year right yeah so I I think the intention is great. I would absolutely would love to see Jacob DeGrom back this summer. That would be fantastic. I just I can't go into drafts even thinking about that. That can't be a strategy or an approach I'm taking. Now, Scherzer's injury, because it's not, you know, the severe surgery that uh the significant surgery that DeGrom had, I, I can understand him being a target. Max Scherzer I'm was just, a slip disc, right? Like a uh, herniated disc something or like something. That. Old man back. I think I got one of those. I mean, he's, that's what he's running into, right, though? It's just like every year, it's like, okay, you're getting older. and um, Yeah, you, but you at his cost, like at the end of your draft, yeah. why not? Why not? I mean, I, I agree. Um, okay, so as I'm getting sidetracked here, let me scroll back up and, and dive back into this. So you're taking Taj Bradley. I love that. I love what you said about Skeens. Uh, I would take Bradley, I think, as well. Now I lied to you. I would take Skeens because um, I just absolutely love Paul Skeens. The question I have with Skeens is when, right? When? Is it, is it going to be opening day? Does he win a rotation spot? Hey, well, if he, he wins a rotation spot, he's not going to be 73 anymore. He's yeah. going to be in the 30s. Well, and I don't know that mm. we'll find out until maybe the last week of spring. You know, If he... I'm trying to forecast. Let's say we get news that Paul Skeens is going to be the fifth starter for the Pittsburgh Pirates. He's going to be on opening day. Looking at this list, where do you think he would slot? I think he would go, honestly, probably 
33 after Tanner Bybee. Oh, wow. That's a that's a jump. I personally would put him at 44. I put him right above Michael King. Um, just because we don't know. You know, you have Mitch Keller in the same rotation who had a really nice stretch last year. You have Chris Sale in Atlanta. We talked a little bit about could bounce back. You have Shane Bieber, whose velocity is up from driveline. Awesome. Merrill Kelly, you know, very consistent. Jordan Montgomery, still a free agent. Why the heck is he being drafted 39th? Um, I, yeah, maybe I'm going right. to That's take, probably where he yeah. falls. I just... Three drafts. So it's not a dynasty, right? Like yeah, you have to expect that, a four ERA. Strikeouts will probably be there, but the ERA will probably be I keep be forgetting we're four. thinking redraft format. Okay. Yeah, you're probably yeah. right. Um, I'm trying to... Th- yeah, that's probably a good spot for him. Yeah, but yeah. my choice would be Skeens. Um, okay, moving on. We are going to fly through these last ones because these names are getting a little bit more fringe. You get to bench one of these players. You are looking to add depth to your rotation towards the you know middle to end of your, of your draft. You get Seth Lugo at 92, Mackenzie Gore at 93, or Reese Olsen at 99. I'm taking Mackenzie Gore just so you can't have him. No. Love that. <laughs> no, um, we we did talk Mackenzie Gore. He's got a great fastball. Um, I would take Mackenzie Gore, not for the reasons despite you, but um, because I think he has <laughs> the help. <laughs> I think he has the highest upside of these guys. Seth Lugo, we know who he is. Um, Reese Olson, he's got great stuff, but he doesn't know where it's going half the time. Mackenzie Gore, he's got that pedigree. He gave up one too many homers last year. I think he can bounce back. I think he can still develop. I think he's still got it in him. He's still relatively young. So Mackenzie Gore here for me. Yep, we're in agreement. If you want a really safer, if you want a much safer floor, Seth Lugo, not a bad option as well. Um, Olsen for me, just a lot of question marks in that rotation in Detroit. At the end of the, we're talking about like we're in the well 300s now. So by most drafts this is probably near the ending so like this is the spot where you take the shots you you take those lottery tickets and hey if they don't pan out you go and pick the the next um isaac paredes or who else broke out last year and came on an order the the michael kings the cole reagans the um help me out here well blanking well but broke out there's also the other side of that though coin right like if you had a very aggressive draft this is a great spot to take Seth Lugo because, you know, you can pair him with, you know, the Shane Baz. So you've got Seth Lugo and then you've got Shane Baz. I think there's two different approaches to taking the draft. And, and that leads you to your last five bench spots being very important to either secure a foundation or to go with the shots. I, I usually draft to go for the shots. So yeah. in this position, I've already taken Mackenzie Gore five rounds earlier. Yeah, I took him a hundred picks before I should have. So I'm and in desperate uh, need of Seth Lugo. But I will never be the one to draft Seth Lugo because guess what? Seth Lugo has two, three bad starts. Guess what? He's getting dropped and he's going on the waivers. And if I'm not doing it, somebody else is going to be mm, doing it. Fair. So like if I'm if I'm going to be ultimately dropping Seth Lugo at, the, at, at some point in the season when he has a bad stretch, I'd rather take somebody who's got ace potential. Potential, because Mackenzie Gore is not going to be an ace, but like he could be a, a top 50 starting pitcher rather than the top, what is he, 99, you said? So, like, he's got way more upside than Seth Lugo. So, I'm taking the lottery tickets. I'm taking the shots because odds are neither of them work out and you're dropping them for whoever's hot. So, might as well take yeah. the upside. Yeah. No, I think you sold me on that. Um, okay. Next one. Young guns or bounce back? We have Ricky Tiedemann coming in at 103 and his hamstring inflammation. Uh, Jack Flaherty at 112, relocated to Detroit. Um, all signs are saying that his velocity is up across the board. Now it was a short outing, so maybe he was just coming out there and throwing it. Casey Maez rehabbing and back from Tommy John, also in Detroit at 118. And Robbie Ray rehabbing and should be back sooner than later at 119 for the San Francisco Giants. Richie, are you taking the young guns here or are you going to go back to the well and hope that Flaherty and Robbie Ray can regain form? So uh, this is the guy we were talking about before we started that you didn't mention and you couldn't find him. I'm going with AJ Smith Shaver, who's coming in at 115. Um, now this all depends on what happens with that fifth rotation spot. We talked on our last podcast that there's currently a competition for that spot between Reynaldo Lopez, AJ Smith-Shaver, and Bryce Elder. 
if Shaver wins that, one, he will rise up rankings at least 40 spots here, I, I would assume, because um, Bryce Elder is going one spot after him at 116. So if not, I'm taking Casey Mize. Robbie Ray, he's coming back from Tommy John as well. He had it, I want to say, similarly to Jacob deGrom. So I'm not really expecting much out of Robbie Ray in a redraft format. So I'm going Casey Mize or AJ Smith-Shaver. I'm out on Jack Flaherty. I just, I, I was never a really big Jack Flaherty guy like you were. Um, you had to convince me um, into Jack Flaherty last year and two years ago. So I never was a real big believer in Flaherty. Yeah. Um, Ray was throwing, I want to say a full velocity yesterday. Um, Didn't he? Hit? All right. I'm yes, he did. He did, but it was a month earlier, which is interesting because um, there's Twitter, you know, wonderful Twitter <laughs> videos going around of him in the outfield. And I was shocked. I was like, "Oh gosh!" Because I, I didn't expect him back. But until is he like, like July. full wind up, or is he just like? Uh, no, I mean he's just toss. he's just throwing. Yeah, long toss. But like that doesn't mean I, anything to me. Yeah, I mean, I'll I'll take that. Where's Jacob Degrom, right? Like, and I know that's silly to say, but like, if you got videos of you on the field, that's great. Like, I, I at least know that maybe June's a shot now, um, as opposed to Degrom, where it's it's quotes. So, I'm not taking him in this tier honestly um as my number one i'm i'm taking yeah. casey mayas i'm taking casey mayas over aj smith shavron for me it's 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 light years apart oh no yeah i would um, take casey mayas too but if smith shaver wins that fifth spot it's close no i'm saying if smith shaver pitches 200 innings i don't care it's casey mayas all day um for okay. me casey mayas returns you i think casey mayas this season is a 12 team sp3 uh, which places him You're close to top 40. Yeah. Okay. Um, I like both of them. Yeah. I do too. I, I just think, I think the Braves scare me. You know, we talked about this in regards to which one of the three players wins that rotation spot. And in Detroit, it's like, well, who can pick the baseball up? <laughs> um, and, this, and that sucks. No, like we I, like Manning and, yeah. and Myers and Flair. Well, oh, I like yeah. Flaherty. And it's just like, damn it. Uh, we need five innings. Can you, can you throw with your left hand? <laughs> But it's this is an interesting group. Yeah. Tiedemann, you know, it sucks that he has the injury already because you're already going back to the narrative that's like you have the injury concern designation. I think if we came into camp without that injury designation, I think this would be a very different conversation about Ricky Tiedemann. Yeah, yeah. If he didn't have those injuries, I might be more inclined to take Ricky Tiedemann out of this group. But hearing about more injuries just I know. scares me too much. It's the same conversation I was having earlier today in, in regards to Spencer Jones and James Wood. It's like, did we just completely forget that James Wood's 35% strikeout rate last year was concerning? You know, nope. well, he hit these two great home runs. They were beautiful, but, um, you know, it's spring training. It causes this, right? It, you know, it does. I'm going to, I'm trying something new and I'm trying to avoid all the spring training buzz. I'm, I'm not avoiding it but i'm trying to take it with a grain of salt because every year we do this i fell in love with clark schmidt because of his spring training stuff last year look where that got me nowhere um who did it uh this happens every year clark schmidt's the one that comes to mind because it was jordan walker as well though you know the first two weeks of spring training facing guys that were knocking rust off and i was level as i like anthony rendon you fell in love with he had like five homers and was like batting 400 and I think you dropped like $20 on him in our salary cap draft. I dropped he... like $6 on him, but sure. Um, <laughs> I also didn't know that he didn't like baseball at the time. I, you know, I was not informed. Wait, so... you like baseball? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's unfortunate. Um, okay. Anyways, but that, moving that, on. Those stories, that's like the James Wood stuff, um, the Spencer Jones 470 foot home run. Like, you also got to remember, remember that they're not going up against, you know, Jacob deGrom or Max Scherzer. They're going up against other minor league pitchers getting experience as well. So I don't even think Spencer Jones' home run was off anybody remotely relevant um, that I'm aware of. So just remember well, that. And the big thing is not only are they not, you know, the best of the best, these are guys coming into camp. They're just trying to throw the ball down the middle of the plate. They're, they're getting shaking the, the rust off, yeah. Yeah, it, it's – and I think I really made a big mistake last year with Jordan Walker in those first two weeks because he had such a great performance and such a great stretch. And I just, I overlook that. And you're right. You know, the name, as I've mentioned, I think a few seasons in a row here, Alex Ochoa will always 
stick in my memory is a, a brewer who had like eight home runs in spring, like a 400 average. And I thought we had the next Babe Ruth. And the guy was, you know, a terrible fourth or fifth outfielder on a very, very, very bad Milwaukee Brewer team. So, um, you know, got it in the memory. Uh, next list. Next list. Bench one. So we're right back to the bench one concept. Eric Fetty, Chicago White Sox, coming over from international play, signing a deal this offseason. And then Frankie Montas, 125. So 121, 125, same range. You're picking one of these guys to add depth. Who are you taking? It's tough because um, Frankie Montas, he, he's got the upside. He's shown it to us. Eric Fetty, there's a lot of reports that he reworked his entire arsenal, went over to Korea, um, won their MVP. Um, but then again, it's Korea, which is a step lower than what Japan is. So I think I'm slightly interested in Eric Fetty just to see if it can truly translate. He's being compared a lot to Merrill Kelly because Merrill Kelly did something very similar. Um, I'm not expecting Eric Fetty to be Merrill Kelly, maybe a Merrill Kelly light if everything clicks. Um, yeah, we'll see. Um, I'm probably taking Eric Fetty, but it's, it's a close one. Yeah. Same Fetty for me. Uh, good reports out of, uh, spring today though, that Montas is looking good. So yeah, I try to get both, these, honestly. Yeah. Well, I think either of these names are, are guys that will probably fall waiver wire in redraft more than likely. Uh, or, you know, guys that you can nab at the end, as you just said, we're really building that depth, uh, great in points leagues. I think, you know, build that, that, that bench with both pitchers and points leagues. All right. We had two more tiers and then we're wrapping for the day, wrapping for the week. Um, which young player makes the biggest impact in 2024? First on the list, Max Meyer for the Miami Marlins at 131, coming back off Tommy John. Jackson Job for the Detroit Tigers. We had mentioned there are rotation issues slash, you know, a lot of players vying for options, but not a lot of clear dominant depth. And then we have Hurston Waldrip, 144 for the Atlanta Braves. Same issues, you know, except not having great depth. Atlanta has good depth. So I think the likelihood of Waldrip making an impact in the rotation will be slight. Um, if he comes up, I would imagine he is a relief pitcher, maybe spot starter. Out of these three names, who are you more inclined to draft at the end of your redrafts? Oh, um, I'm trying to pull up. It was Jackson Job, Hurston Waldrop, and, and Max Meyer. Honestly, probably Max Meyer. Um, I mean, we just talked about the fifth spot between three players for the Braves. Um, so I don't think Waldrop gets a shot this year. I Honestly, the Braves probably hold him off until the following year just to get that rookie eligibility, give him a shot at winning rookie of the year. Looking at the lineup for the Tigers, they got Scooball, Flaherty, Maeda, Manning, Reese Olsen. Flaherty is Without a Mize even in it. Yeah. Yeah. So they don't have Mize in there. Flaherty is a liability. Maeda, we'll, we'll see. He's getting up there in age 36. Matt Manning, he's got injury concern. Reese Olsen. They also have Sawyer Gibson Long, who uh, showed some flashes at the end of the year last year. So I don't see Jackson Job making it. So Max Meyer is the most likely to actually crack the rotation for the Marlins. I'm trying to pull it up right now. My computer's going slow. So yeah, I'm probably taking Max Meyer. He had, uh, I think he's a first round draft pick for the Marlins a couple years ago. Correct me if I'm wrong. If not, he was, he was a second second rounder. So he comes with a pedigree. I think he's coming off Tommy John. Didn't pitch at all last year. So he might not be back. Honestly, these guys might not even be worth drafting and redraft. Well, I think they will be of value this year. At least Meyer. Meyer is the obvious answer because I think that there is a, a defined uh, avenue for him. Uh, Miami selected Meyer in the first round, third overall, 2020. So he was COVID draft. Third okay. overall. Damn. Got it. That's, yeah. that's crazy. Yeah. Okay, um, I got I'm it. going so, Job. I got it for the Marlins. Lazardo, Yuri Perez, Braxton Garrett, Eduardo Cabrera, Trevor Rogers. Rumors that Edward Cabrera is going to get traded. Um, I don't know if that's going to happen or not. Trevor Rogers, injury risk. Can he return to form? So, yeah. I think Max Meyer is the pick here just because he's got the clearest avenue to actually crack in that rotation. But go ahead with your Jackson Job take. Yeah, so I think Meyer is logical. You just said it. There's going to be more opportunity. They invested heavily in him, right? Third overall. 
I just have a feeling Jackson Job comes out and absolutely shoves it and leaves Detroit no option. You know, we we have to bring this kid up. We need a frontline ace. You know, I'm expecting that to be Casey Myers, but you know, he's got to work his way into the rotation first. He's got to knock the rust off. He's got to get comfortable. I'm looking at more of a uh, mid-season to second half like stretch of success for Myers that really cements himself as a great pitcher in fantasy baseball. Jackson Job with the hype that comes around him, I think by drafting him allows you that trade asset. As you had said, maybe none of these guys are worth rostering, but I'm always thinking ahead with that last roster spot. What can I take out from a value perspective? And I think Job will create enough buzz, maybe not to the LA De La Cruz, you know, status last year, but enough where you might be able to work him into a deal and get a really, really good player if you're offering two for ones. And I just don't think Max Meyer provides that same kind of perceived value. I do think if you're looking for actual usable production here, Meyer's your guy, but I think Job is the value pick in this range that we have. Yeah, I would agree with that. Job has the highest ceiling of them all. Yeah. All right, we got one tier left, and then we get to go to bed. Well, you do. I have uh, one more recording to do tonight. We are back to bench one, and we are in a range where I highly doubt you're drafting these guys in redraft. Um, you know, we know these names because we're deep in the dynasty, but I like these names, and I wanted to make it a little bit difficult on you. So number one is Joe Boyle at 146. He is rising and rising fast, but still only at 146. Um, Uriel Rodriguez at 150 for the Toronto Blue Jays. Drew Thorpe at 154 for the San Diego Padres. Jared Jones at 163 for the Pittsburgh Pirates. And Bowden Francis for the Tampa... Oh, wow. I was going to say Tampa Bay Blue Jays. That would be embarrassing. Toronto (laughs) Blue Jays. Uh, Bowden Francis is not rated or ranked on Fantasy Pros. So that's a real deep steal. Richie, who are you taking? Uh, Out of this entire group, I'm probably taking Drew Thorpe. Um, I think he's got the best chance to crack the rotation for the San Diego Padres. Great control. Um, Doesn't have the greatest stuff from my memory. Doesn't throw the hardest, but he was phenomenal for the New York Yankees in the minor league system. Was part of the Michael King, Juan Soto trade. So I think he's got the clear shot, probably the one I'm taking the most. If I had to go a second guy, I'm probably going Joe Boyle of the Oakland Athletics. He had one of the greatest fastballs, I believe, of AAA. Um, was down there way too long. He has huge command issues, but he's going to let us bring training hype because I don't think he's thrown a walk yet. So um, there's speculation. Maybe he figured out the control. Um, we'll see. Um, there's still a lot of spring training left, still a lot to see. Maybe he's only throwing fastballs right down the middle. Um, but, yeah, the, the upside is there for both of those guys. And then the other players are just a little bit deeper. Yario Rodriguez, we've talked about for the Toronto Blue Jays. I think he ultimately becomes a reliever. And right now there's no spots available for the Toronto Blue Jays. The fifth spot is for Alec Manoa. But, man, he got shelled in his Mm. first spring training game. I think he went one and two-thirds innings, no strikeouts, four and runs, and like three walks or something. So I think we might have seen the end of Manoa. I think the pitch clock, I think the – fast speed of the new baseball era has succumbed uh, to what Manoa's used to, and I think he's out. So that leaves uh, Yario Rodriguez and Bowden Francis as possibilities. I don't remember, but I remember looking, and I can't remember where, but Bowden Francis popped on um, stuff plus metrics or one of his pitches was graded as like really elite. Um, But he also has command issues. So he just piques my interest. It's a name that stuck out to me. I couldn't find where I saw that before this podcast, but just a name to keep an eye on. Maybe he's a deep waiver wire ad for you, depending on how deep your league is. Yeah, um, I like all that. Drew Thorpe, number one for me. Boyle, number two. Rodriguez, number three. Rodriguez and Boyle could flip-flop, honestly. I think Rodriguez provides you value because they did sign him for, if I remember correctly, $9 million plus a year. Jared Jones is a name I love, and I think... Pittsburgh has the opportunity to really bring him up and let him shine. There is health concerns long-term if we're looking at a dynasty format here, but all these names are guys that you're just kind of throwing a dart at. Drew Thorpe being a guy that I think you can probably get the most floor from that could probably give you 15 starts this year if he performs well this spring and San Diego's looking to save money and maybe there's an injury, but 
um, that's that's kind of the the tier that we're looking at here. The last couple were guys that we do expect to be on most waiver wires, and that, that makes it a little more difficult. But that is all I have for us today, Richie. Uh, busts, sleepers, you know, wrapped it all up. We will go into hitters next week. Is there anything you wanted to add? No, I don't think so. I think all it's right. everything. Well, we will see you guys next week. Take care.